Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Good morning, family. I want to speak for a few minutes on this topic that I've called women, the strength of God. Women, the strength of God. I think in our culture, in these times that we live in a male-dominated society, that it is easy to overlook the strength of women. Some will even use a Bible verse as a biblical scriptural edification that men are the stronger sex. For in Peter, he says, husbands are to deal compassionately and and gently with their wives because they are the weaker sex. And if you read that on the surface, I think we can misconstrue what it's saying and, and have a misconception about women. And so as we are spending this month celebrating women, I thought there would be no better woman to look at than Naomi, who I think represents so much of the strength that God has specifically allocated or apportioned to women. And I I would say that there's different kinds of strength, right? When, When we think of strength, we think of, okay, go over there and pick up this big rock, or, or go fight this battle, or go, go have this kind of physical activity. And, and yes, it is true, even physiologically, that by the way we are built, men have more physical strength than women, generally speaking. But that's not the only kind of strength that there is. And I think it goes way back to the garden. Jesus, I mean, God told man, after the fall, you're going to work. I'm going to put you to work. You're about to work. You're going to work. Get out in the field because you're going to work. Working is your lot. You're going to work. You're going to get tired, and then you're going to work some more. You're going to keep working. You're going to work. Now, he told Eve that her task was going to be childbearing. And brothers, I don't know about you, but I don't want to switch. I'll go do some work. I'll go lift some stuff, I'll go plant some stuff, and you take care of the childbearing. So there is strength required for both. There is equal apportion allotted to men and women. And what we want to do today is, is understand the strength that I think God has divinely apportioned and is manifested uniquely in women. I mean, there are so many ways that women, I think, are clearly so much stronger than men, beyond just childbirth. I mean, think about sickness. When, when somebody gets sick in the home, and I tell you they're sick, and they're up in the room, and they're curled up, and they won't come out, and they're asking everybody to wait on them hand and foot, would you guess that's a man or a woman? <laughs> if I said he's sick, and they're not feeling well, and they went to work, and they came home, and they cooked, and then cleaned up the house, and put the kids to bed, and did some other stuff, who would you think that probably is? There's different kinds of strengths. 
And so we, we can think about one kind of strength and not realize that God has made women to have a unique manifestation of strength that, that shows itself in ways that men we just can't hang with. I, I, I want to start with Naomi because Naomi, Naomi's journey shows an incredible amount of strength and perseverance. Her name uh, Naomi, the name Naomi generally in Hebrew means pleasant or pleasantness. And so we, we get this as kind of a symbol of, of her life and a symbol of, you know, she had, she was married and she had two sons and they seem to be doing pretty well. And then a famine hits the land and, and they go off to Moab. Moab is kind of though, it's kind of that, that cousin that comes over to dinner that you want them to leave as soon as they get there. You're related to them, but it's those kind of people that you don't really want to be around. But when crisis comes, sometimes you got to depend on them or hang out with them a little bit. So they get sent into Moab, in, into an area with those people. And the Moabites are, are honestly considered by many, many of the Israelites in this day to be kind of second-class cousins. And so Naomi and her husband go into this land. Her sons end up marrying those women. And then tragedy strikes. All the men in the family die, and only the women are left. And, and that is an incredible burden. Even today, it's a burden, but it's an exponentially more uh, difficult burden back in that day. I mean, th- there was there was been every right for her to just say, my life is over. And just roll up in a ball and figure that all she would have to sustain herself would be begging on the, on the mercies of other people because she had no one, no man around to provide or protect. She's out in a foreign land in de- desert, arid areas by herself with her two daughters. But she didn't just roll up into a ball and die. Because I think she tapped into something that I think is the first characteristic from Naomi's life that I want to encourage our sisters today to understand that strength is forged. And it's forged often in crisis. Crisis forms and shapes and reveals our strength. So here Naomi is in these horrible circumstances Vulnerable in every sense of the word. No physical protection, no ways of earning income. She's likely to be ostracized from society. And in the middle of this, she makes this incredible statement. She says, I'm going to take my two daughters of law, daughters-in-law, and go back to Judea. <clears throat> now, if you've never been to the Middle East, it is a dry, barren desert area. It's dangerous. There are robbers on the road. There are very few resources. There are unscrupulous people of all kinds. It was a dangerous situation for a woman and two, a woman and two young women to travel through this would have been just amazingly difficult to pull off. But somehow she allows the difficulty of her circumstances to forge a strength in her to get back to the place where she knew God was active. I don't know what desert you may be in right now. 
I'm not sure what crisis you may be facing, but I want to encourage you, sisters, that there is a strength within you that God will use this current crisis to form you and to form an understanding of what it means to be strong in God right in the midst of your crisis. Not when it's over, but right in the midst of it, he is strengthening you in your journey. I mean, some of us have all kinds of deserts that we're in. We have health issues and we have physical issues and we have uh, monetary issues and we have relationship challenges. And it seems like the circumstances are overwhelming, just like Naomi. Well, I'm saying summon the strength that God has put in you. And you will thrive, not survive. The crisis is setting you up for a season of blessing. Naomi could have just said, well, I guess I'll just wait here for some man to come save me, which probably wasn't going to happen. But she, on her own initiative, gathered up all the resources she could muster and began this incredible journey back to Judea, back to where she knew God was moving. And, And by the way, I don't want us to miss that point. Even in the middle of the crisis, realize that God is still moving somewhere. Right. She said that in this place, even though I'm in famine here, I've heard that God is moving over there. I know that the people of God are in connection with God. Let me relocate to myself to be in a position where I can be surrounded by the people of God and be in the presence of God. And I know I will be restored. That's a word for somebody today. See, because we can be in the desert and just stay in the desert, not realize God is present even in our desert circumstances. And so I, I want to say the first thing I want to point out of her life is that that strength is forged by crisis. And I just think about that so much in our own in our own circumstances today, even in America. How many times have we seen incredible transformations in society, incredible transformations in 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 laws and, and in policies because women in crisis persevered? Because they continue to push. It could be situations with, uh, you know, I mean, it was so, I, was, I was doing some research. It's amazing the challenge that immigrants to this country had. I mean, you came in as, as almost garbage, shuttled into these poor, uh, poor jobs and poor resources and, and, and barely enough to scrape by. And, and, and so the, the family unit easily could have been ripped apart, except we find that time and time again, women mustered the strength to keep the family unit and the identity together in the midst of crisis. Maybe that's happened to you and your family. Maybe there's been some seasons where there's been a mama or a big mama. When everything else in the family was going crazy, there was a rock who you knew could be the glue to hold things together and stop the wheels from coming off. There's strength in that because it's been forged by the crisis that God has especially prepared women to sustain us through. I want to point something else about this because it would have been very easy for Naomi to do what we do. Everybody for themselves. I mean, when crisis hits, we think about how am I going to get out of this? There's three life rafts. I know I'm getting one of them. I don't know what you're going to do. You on your own, sister. We in the desert. Find a way home. But she said at the very beginning, let me put my arms around these two young women who are more vulnerable than I am and expand my borders to include them as I move forward. 
So I want to say that strength is not only forged in crisis, but it also remains elastic in crisis. It's flexible. Love compels women to have a a tendency to expand, expand their borders, even when things are difficult, to include those that they love in their circle of care. And I think that's amazing. I mean, it's kind of like what happens on the airlines, though I, I, I don't think, you know, they say it's for safety reasons. I don't think they really have to tell us. If the air goes out on an airplane and they say, put your own mask on first, I think most of us would do that anyway. We wouldn't think about it. We would grab a mask because I can't breathe. But a mother, a mother might not do that. A woman would think, who else is in crisis around me? How can I care for them? It was, it was, it was a, a wonderful story that I, I heard. I, I want to share two stories to kind, of, to kind of drill this home. Because not only was Naomi maybe putting herself in more jeopardy by taking on the burden of caring for these two young women, but she was putting maybe the resources that she could have had access to at the disposal of somebody else. And it, that's not always how we're wired, men. There's a story I heard about a family back in Nazi Germany. It was a Jewish family, and they were in one of the concentration camps. And it was an older couple, uh, a younger couple, and, and the younger couple's two children. Um, and the, the, the confines, the, the setup of this camp is that as long, it was a working camp. As long as you can work, as long as you can work, you can stay here. But as soon as you can't work anymore, you got to go. And so there was a, one of the, 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 so the parents one day were no longer found. They disappeared. And the, the husband and his wife were fearful because their youngest son, David, was kind of frail and sickly. And they knew that uh, if he couldn't keep up, that he may one day be taken. And, and so one day the father came in from working and he was, um, he was dismayed because his youngest son wasn't there. And so we asked the older son, what happened? Where is he? And, and the younger son was crying. And he said, they came and took him away. And the father's heart was just broken. He was, he was weeping. He was dismayed. And then he thought, well, where, where, where is your mother? And the older son said, when they came and called David, he was incredibly frightened. And he was trembling. And so mom went up and took his hand and told him it was going to be okay, and she went with him. It's a hard story, but that's what a mother's love looks like. That's the strength that it takes to care about those in our circle, even to the point of sacrificing our own life. There's strength in that. There's power in that. And God has given women, I think, a unique ability and calling to show us what the abundant, boundless, sacrificing, unadulterated, unashamed, uh, uh, unimaginable, unlimited amount of love that God has for us. And mothers give us a glimpse of the love that God has for us. And so when, 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 when Naomi takes these two young women and says, let's go together, I think she's living out this elastic strength that came from God. 
And I want us to see something else. Many of us know the story that, that as they're beginning to go, and I'm sure the journey is getting tough and things are getting challenging, and they're getting at the point of no return. We're getting at the border where we, we go into this land where these young two women will be considered outcasts, and they will be considered less than, and they will have very few access to resources, or they can go back to their own country and their own families. And, and we hear that in the story, if you know it, that, that Ruth stayed with Naomi and Orpah chose to go back home. And we can sometimes get into this, you know, well, Oprah wasn't, as, Oprah wasn't as faithful as Ruth, but I think we're missing the point. I don't think we missed the sacrifice that Naomi made at that point. See, Naomi's best chance of survival was to have somebody around her who would be helping her get all that she could. She was going back home as an older, frail woman, so she had very few prospects. She said to herself, am I going to get a husband at this point? It's far too late for me to probably have any more children. I'm going into a situation where I'm going to be destitute. And out of her love for those that she had under her care, instead of having them come in into that situation with her, she was encouraging to go and do the best you can for yourself. I'm willing to sacrifice of myself so that you may have the best circumstances for, for, your, for your life. How painful was that for Naomi to love one of these women so much that she would sacrifice her own well-being that they may have the best possible outcome? Again, that, that, that's, that's strength. That's sacrifice. That's courage. So Naomi is, is at this crossroads and and Orpah decides to go with her people. But, but, but the, the turning point that I think is really, I think this book should be called Naomi, not Ruth. Because the turning point in the story is when Ruth says, I'm going to stay with you. There's something about you. There's something I see in you. There's something I've, I've gleaned from being in your presence that tells me that no matter what lies ahead, I'd rather go it with you. There's something about your character. There's something about your presence. There's something about, about what you've revealed about yourself or revealed about this God that you believe in or revealed about what he's doing or how you trust him. There's something about you that makes me want to hang out with you and maybe I can get some of that for myself. And that gets me to the point that, that I want us to see that at that moment, Ruth began to understand that there was something that Naomi had that she needed some of. And all of us, but particularly my sisters, I want you to know that that same truth is for you today. I think Naomi was teaching Ruth how to be a godly woman. I think she was teaching her how to be a woman of faith. And she may not have had any lessons. They may not have sat down and broke out a Bible. But as Pastor Long taught us so many years ago, most of what we get is caught, not taught. See, we, we, it, it just kind of rubs on us. I mean, it's funny, I think back now, and if you would have asked me, it was about 15 years ago I had this revelation, I'm a lot like my mama. I didn't realize that. If you would have asked me, I'd have I'm kind of like my dad, kind of like my brothers, but I realized I think like my mom, I kind of talk like my mom, I kind of view the world a lot like my mother does. I have caught a lot of what she had. It just fell on me. I'll look back and say something, I'm like, was that my mama just said that? And it just happens. I've just caught it. Why? Because mothers are the first teachers of the child. Mothers help us understand reality. Mothers help us get a context. Mothers help us uh, define reality. They are the first and maybe most important teachers. 
I think back again on my own life that my, uh, my father was in the military. And so kind of like Naomi, my mother was, was by herself raising children a lot of the time. She had to run the household and make sure things were taken care of and make sure people were in place and make sure things were what they needed to be and take uh, fed and educated. And all. It was her. My father was there, but he was off, often off in Korea or Vietnam or somewhere. It was her keeping everything in order and, and helping shape these children that God had given her. And, and can, can you look in your own life and see how some of what you do some of the ways you think, some of the ways you react are shaped by your mother. You ever heard her voice pop out of your mouth sometimes? Even when you don't want it to, it just pops out. Which means that there's an incredible opportunity that not only is strength forged in crisis, not only does strength have the ability to be elastic, but strength is conferred from one generation to another. You, you have this opportunity, again, particularly women, particularly mothers, that you have this opportunity to shape generations around you. Long after you've been gone, the residue from your life will still be impacting your children, your grandchildren, and generations far beyond you. What a privilege that is to be a conferrer of, 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 of character, to be a conferrer, conveyor of hope. To be one who, who, who transmits all that you know and believe and trust in and, 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 and have developed in your own life about God, about, about, about the good things in life, about the, the, the potential in a person. Those things that you know to be true can transcend your life and transform the life of generations behind you. How do I know that happened? Because it happened to Ruth. I'm convinced if we read the story carefully that Ruth became what she saw Naomi was. Where do I get that from? Around chapter 3 in Ruth, they get back to Judea and they are trying to figure out how they're going to survive. And Ruth is walking around behind the the men workers picking up, you know, bits of grain and trying to feed her and Naomi. And she's recognized by a man named Boaz. Now, when I and, and so, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, Boaz and Ruth get married. She got the hookup. She made it back. She got the hookup. She found a man. Now. What I assumed when I just thought about it, I assumed Ruth was fine. That's not super spiritual, but that's what I figured. I like, you know, I mean, she's in the field and she's working and Boaz sees Ruth like, she's fine. I'm going to marry her. <laughs> and I, I've thought for years, man, it's, it's a good thing Ruth was fine or else they'd have been in trouble. But that's not really what happened in the story. If you read it, we don't know what Ruth looked like. We have no idea about her physical attributes, but here's what we do know. In chapter 2 of Ruth, Boaz says, she's working and and she sees him and they're starting to interact and he's clearly taking an interest in her. And and she says, why have you found favor in me? I'm a foreigner. I'm I'm a... I'm a Moabite woman. I I have no status. I have nothing. Look at all these other women that you have to choose from. Why are you paying any attention to me? And and verse 11 of chapter 2, Boaz says, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. 
may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz was not attracted to her by his own words because of how he looked, but because of the character he saw forming within her. He he didn't get caught up in in, in the hairdo and and the jewelry and the bling and all this other stuff. He said, there is a woman of character there. And where did Ruth get that character? It was conferred from Naomi. She was imitating. She was modeling. She was gleaning from. She was copying. She was imitating what she had seen Naomi manifest in her own life. And since she had gleaned it from her, God began to reward the faithfulness, the endurance, the character that Ruth had now taken a hold of. You, women, I think are the primary confers of character for our children. I think it comes from the mother. I think it comes from a a mother who's compassionate and and, and fervent and and represents the unbounding, unending, unfathomable love of God who wants the best for his children, who would sacrifice himself that they may live. The story goes on. I, I kind of want to get to the end of this, that, that, that I want us to point out something while I'm talking about the character of Naomi that's also relevant for us today. Character is forged by crisis. What the Bible says is that crisis forms, uh, crisis will lead to perseverance, perseverance will lead to character, and character will lead us to hope. So as these trials come, we have to figure out how we can persevere, demonstrate the strength, the divine strength of God, and push through that we may manifest the character of God. But you know what? It ain't always easy. (laughs) Naomi was very honest about this. And and ladies, I want to give you some freedom to be honest about our struggles. Sometimes the desert is hard. Sometimes it's challenging. Naomi got back to Jerusalem or got back to Judea. And the woman saw her, but her face probably looked much as she'd aged. She'd had a hard time. She'd been suffering and struggling. And the woman said, is that Naomi? Is that who that is? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. Because the Lord has made my life bitter. You know what? Sometimes you feel bitter in the desert. Sometimes you feel like... Life is throwing you a curve that you weren't ready for. Sometimes you're dealing with circumstances that you're not responsible for. It wasn't your fault. It's somebody else's sin, somebody else's failure, somebody else's issue. But you are dealing with the fallout, the ramifications of their shortcomings and their failures. And you know what? We're mad about it. I'm upset about it. I'm frustrated. God, I did not think I would be in a Naomi desert. I did not think I would be at this age, at this stage in my life, by myself. I did not think I would be here in this financial circumstance. I did not think that this is how my life was going to pan out. And if I'm honest, God, I'm a little angry with you about it. So Naomi was was in that place. She, She was expressing the fact that I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I don't understand. God, how can you have put me in these circumstances? But I'll tell you what she did know. I got to get back to God and his people to get a blessing out of it. So so I I want you to know Naomi visited bitterness, but she didn't stay there forever. 
She, she didn't let it dwell. She didn't let it mount up. She was feeling that season and that experience, but, but we got to move past it. We, we, can't, we can't let bitterness and anger and frustration stop us from getting out of the desert into the place of blessing where God is calling us to. And, and so, and so as, as, as we're doing that, we got to learn this, this, this reality of endurance because there's an enduring strength a long-suffering strength that I think God has given to women. It says, be patient in affliction. Be able to stick with it and be faithful and trust that God will deliver you in his good time. I think, I think that's an incredible strength it takes to do that. I had the privilege of listening. We were meeting with a group of of folks yesterday and and one of the couples was talking about their their own journey. They were from the Midwest and they came to California uh, and they were serving in California and things were hard. Uh, It was much more expensive out here than it was where they came from and, and things were very tight. They were trying to make things work out and barely had enough to get by. And um, they had a few children, and their children were, were growing up, and, and they were trying to make sure they had all of, all of the things that they're, not, not extravagant things, just basic food and shelter and just the basic necessities. And, and so this mother, with, with no bragging at all, she was just sharing her story. She said, I, I, remember, I remember those tough years. I, re, I remember that there was, there was some nights when, when I made sure the kids ate and, and there wasn't enough left for me. I remember when I had to make the sacrifices for my family so that, so that those that God had entrusted me, that, 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 that my, my expanded village, I had done all I could to care and nurture for them and I'll just do without. And, and it was many years like that and maybe some of us have that story. Maybe we know some mothers who have made some sacrifices for us. Maybe we know some mothers who have gone without. Maybe they've pulled back on their dreams or pulled back on their plans or, or even sacrificed their, their time and their resources so that, so that we could be the recipient of the best that they had. That's enduring strength. To love someone else to have hopes and dreams for someone else, to to endure the difficult times, trusting that your faithfulness will be rewarded in the long run. And I think God made women to show us what that looks like. I mean, I, I, I I can think in my own circumstances with my own mother, some of the things that I know that she would have liked to have done or would have liked to have had, but somebody else was first. Somebody else took the priority. She was willing to suffer for a long time that she may be a vehicle of blessing in somebody else's life. And I wonder if we understand the strength that it takes to love somebody like that. Final point. There is a a happy ending to the story and an ending that we should all, by the way, be very happy about. So Boaz marries, uh, Boaz marries Ruth, and, and as a result of this marriage, they have a child. 
And as they have this child, it, it seems like one of the first things that they do is they take the child and they place it in Naomi's arms. Why? Because I think they realized that Naomi was the linchpin for this whole situation happening. It was her faith back in the desert. It was her desire that her daughter may find a, a place of security and a place of, a, a place of uh, sustenance that she brought her to Judea and, and allowed her, gave her the wisdom that she may be uh, found acceptable and, and find, a, uh, find a husband in Boaz. It was, it was her, uh, her faithfulness and her endurance that allowed this whole situation to happen. So they take this child and they put the child in Naomi's hands. And it says all the women around, all the women who kind of mocked her and scorned her and turned their back on her when she first came to town, they all looked at Naomi and they said, Naomi has a son. Naomi has a son? Not Ruth has a son. Naomi has a son because they saw that this baby was a reward from God for the faithfulness, the endurance, and the strength that Naomi had showed. Amen. It was a blessing. It was a reward. It was a signal of God's faith and provision because by this child, Naomi was now back fully restored into the kinship, fully restored back into the family line, fully restored back into all the, all the promises and covering of God's people and God's protection. She was now fully acknowledged and restored back in the community. And people saw that God had been rewarding the strength of her endurance. And we should be happy about that. You know why? Because they named this kid Obed. So there was Boaz, whose son's name was Obed. Obed grows up to be a man, has a son that we call Jesse. Jesse has a son that we call David. And if you follow that lineage, that leads us all the way straight back to the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Naomi's faithfulness, Naomi's strength, Naomi's courage, Naomi's perseverance is a direct line to the deliverance of each one of us in the family of God. It was the strength of Naomi, the the power of Naomi, the faithfulness of Naomi that God used and directed. Even when she was in crisis, God had a vision for her life of how he was going to use who he had formed her to be to affect generations long after she had stopped walking on this earth. Sisters, I want you to understand the faithfulness, the strength that you have as a child of God, the strength of womanhood that he has given you has generational and eternal ramifications for generations coming after you. Don't be overwhelmed by your crisis. Don't curl up in a ball in the middle of your desert. God is a restoring God. God is a delivering God. God has a vision for your life far beyond what you can see or dream or imagine. And he will shape the circumstances of your life to lead to be a vehicle of blessing and deliverance and salvation in generations untold behind you. It's the strength of a woman that so accurately reflects the love of God. I think about I think about that same character that showed up in Mary, the mother of Jesus. And and, and I can't help but thinking as 
as Mary was raising this child, how much of her character shaped Jesus' thinking? Did Jesus just randomly, did God just randomly pick Mary or did he pick a woman of character that he knew would be a vessel to reflect his own character into this child's life? To show this child love and care and faithfulness and perseverance and sacrifice. Now the work of taking care of bringing a savior into the world has already been done. That's none of our task. But there was someone that God has placed in your life that I think he's calling you to be a Naomi for. And by the way, I, I, want us to, I, I want us to catch this last point. Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law. There was no biological connection between Ruth and Naomi. It could have been very easy, again, in the desert, everybody for themselves. I got to take care of me and mine. But Naomi allowed her borders to be expanded to someone who God had brought into her circle. Women of God, can I encourage you that maybe it's not your daughter or your son or your niece or your nephew, but I guarantee you there was someone that God has brought into your circle. There was a young woman, look, my God, look on the internet. Look in the newspaper. Look in the school systems. There are roofs all over this land who find themselves lost in the desert, desperate for Naomi to come and show them what wisdom and perseverance and faithfulness and honor look like, that they may have somebody worthy of imitating that will bless not only their life, but the lives of those that God will bring after them. I'm praying for the spirit of Naomi to be rising up in you, to be encouraging you, to be reminding you that there is a strength inside of you, not measured by pounds, not measured by, by physical attributes, not measured by all the external things that this world throws up as the standard of beauty and success for women. There is a divine strength that overflows out of your life and blesses us. Men, we should thank God for the women uh, God has given us. We should thank God for the mothers who gave us an image of love that knew no bounds. We should thank God for the women who remind us that God's love is eternal. That there's nothing we can do to escape it. There's nothing we can do to make him so mad that he will abandon us. I thank God for the women that we have in this church. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your rebuke. I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you for your correction. You are gifts to this family. And we are blessed by God to have you with us. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, I pray that your word has reached each person in this house today, God. God, I don't know what crisis they may be facing. I don't know what challenges they have in front of them. I don't know what circumstances they may be finding themselves in that they didn't see coming. 
God, in this moment, we declare that we know that you have not left us alone in the midst of our circumstances, that you are still Emmanuel. You are still with us in the valley and with us on the mountaintop. God, we turn our eyes to you and we fix our gaze to the one who is able to deliver and save and make something beautiful out of our lives. Father, bless my sisters in this place this morning. May they feel that they are loved not only by you, but loved by their church family. We honor them. We lift them up. And we ask that you indeed pour a double blessing on their life. Redeem them from all that has hindered them. God, and may their life be blessings for generations to come as they hold tight to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Use them for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m., and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.